Welcome back to the Mav Podcast. I am John. And I am Bridget. And we are here once again to talk UNO hockey. Bridget is filling in for Jason today. The people out there watching have no idea what a logistical nightmare this is to set up in our house. But we are here. We're ready to go. And we're ready to talk about UNO's first road trip of the season up in Sault Ste. Marie, taking on the Lake Superior State Lakers. Going into this series, Bridge, what did you think was going to happen? Were your expectations met? Were they not met? Well, I had fairly low expectations going into this series after what happened at Baxter Arena with Niagara, but I had high hopes that uh, the Mavericks could make something out of this weekend series. They uh, have, you know, fared fairly well with the Lakers in previous years. And certainly Friday night, they came out swinging. It was scoreless after one period, but I thought they played much better than they had in either of those two Niagara games. I thought that the pace was good. And then going in to the second period, Ty Mueller gets things started. Berg and Randall both had assists on that. I got to tell you, that's probably my favorite line on the team right now. What did you think Ty Mueller's goal? Uh, I thought it was great. Like you said, the first period, they had some chances, but just couldn't get anything going. And uh, I think it really helped the Mavs' confidence to get on the board first. I did notice, though, that Lake Superior State played better after that first goal. They started to tighten things up. They started to play a little bit more aggressively. Everything sort of culminated at the end of the second period. We ended up going to the box on a five-minute major. Matt Miller got the five-minute major. They ended up on the power play during that right at the end of the period. And they came out early in the third and scored a goal. And I was a little bit worried then because in games like this, no matter how well UNO plays, when you're on the road against a team like this and it's knotted up in the third You're just worried that that 1-1 tie is going to hold for a lengthy period of time and Lake State's going to find a way to put it in and uh, we're going to be heartbroken again after the game. But I got to tell you, our guy Tyler Weiss in his fifth year for UNO had a really pretty breakaway goal for UNO set up by a a pass from Jacob Gavin. It looked like Gavin was uh, just trying to clear the puck out of the zone, but uh, Tyler being aware, being ready, picked up that puck in the neutral zone and took it into uh, the Lake State defensive zone and got that goal. And I really felt at that point UNO had the game. Yeah, it would have been easy for them to kind of fold uh, with that major penalty at the end of the second, especially since it we saw it on the Flow TV replay and it just didn't seem to be um, that egregious of a penalty. And taking a five minute you know major that late in the second period could have led them to you know, have a little bit of uh, mental fatigue, but you're correct. Uh, I tweeted that Tyler Weiss had that that Niagara-like experience where he got behind their defense on that breakaway and came in and boy, that really helped turn the tide for the Mavericks in the third period. It was the Mavs' first win of the regular season. So uh, it was nice to uh, nice to have a little bit of a comeback after getting swept at home by Niagara. So I was feeling good Going into Saturday night, not only was the flow hockey uh, game feed not working, but uh, apparently the UNO Maverick offense and defense weren't working during that first period on Saturday night. Yeah, we didn't get to see any of that first period scoring uh, because the flow hockey feed was uh, unavailable. And uh, I was just watching along on Twitter to see what was happening. And it was just uh, sounded like a complete breakdown. You and I joked uh, 
that it sounded like uh, since the broadcast hadn't begun, neither had the Maverick play. And uh, by the time we were able to tune in early in the second period, the Lakers were already up 4 nothing. The video foibles uh, with flow hockey were annoying enough, but man, the Mavs gave up two power play goals in that first period. They gave up a shorthanded goal. Uh, regular strength goal uh, was scored by Harrison Roy, who I mentioned in last week's podcast. He's a talented transfer from uh, Boston College. Uh, yeah, it was kind of stunning to be down uh, four to nothing. And at that point, I'm not sure we wanted the feed to come back, but ultimately the feed came back and UNO got things going in the second period, 446 in with a goal from Kirby Proctor, one of our solid defensemen. You don't really normally look to Kirby Proctor for goals, but uh, but uh, assists from uh, Jake Pavanka and Johnny Tyconic. Uh, I tell you, Terry Leahy and uh, Casey Roll, very excited about uh, Jake Pavanka on the broadcast, our transfer from Notre Dame. He's not really known as a, a point producer, but uh, he's been taking a lot of face-offs and he's been doing a lot of good things for the team. So it was great to be able to cut it four to one. Again, I still wasn't confident, but then at 1058 in second period, Jacob Gavin gets his first career collegiate goal. And there was some debate on this goal. They thought that Tyler Rollwagon scored it, which I would have loved if Tyler had scored it. He's uh, one of our new freshmen, but uh, another new freshman, Jacob Gavin gets the goal. And at that point, when it's four to two, And as we all know, the two-goal lead is the most dangerous lead in college hockey. You're starting to see UNO have some momentum. They started to outplay Lake State. You felt like Lake State was on their heels at that point. And then Cameron Berg, who had kind of a monster weekend this weekend, uh, ends up getting UNO's third goal late in the second period. And at that point, UNO's down one goal, and you're feeling like uh, they have a shot to come back in the third period. Yeah, and of course, uh, you and I were... We left the radio on, let's just say it that way. Um, so we were listening to uh, Terry and Casey talking about Pavanka, of course, but also this monster comeback. I threatened to throw the radio at one point, even though it's bolted to the cabinet, if uh, Casey said one more time about how incredible of a comeback that this was going to be. But it really was. Uh, you know, we haven't seen this team much yet this season. And so it's hard to know how resilient that they are, how they face adversity. And uh, I'm actually very pleasantly surprised at how they responded after, you know, going down for nothing that they were able to get three goals in the second period and really put themselves in a position where there was an opportunity to, uh, you know, make a comeback, a historic comeback in case these were uh, going into that third period. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's lack of preparation or just growing pains with a new team that's trying to get a little bit of chemistry going. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as the next few weekends progress. But uh, but the third period, Mr. Dependable the last uh, couple of weekends, Jack Randall gets a goal late in the third period to tie things up for UNO. Uh, it's a great moment for the team. Look, we were just happy that the team got themselves back into the game. So four to four with about seven minutes left. Ultimately, we didn't cap things off. But we didn't let Lake State score either. So we went into our first three-on-three overtime period of the season. What did you think about how UNO played during that overtime period? And I will say that we got a penalty late. So Lake State was actually on the power play to start that overtime period. 
I was going to point that out because, again, that's one of those moments where they could have just, uh, you know, folded. Michael Abgral took a delay of game penalty late. Uh, he ended up on top of the puck and got called for a minor penalty for that. And so it would have been easy for them to give up something really early in overtime with that four on three situation, but they persisted. Of course, it ended in no score in the overtime period. And then we got to see our first shootout of the season. Yeah, that's always fun. Now, just to give fans a little heads up, the three on three period is interesting in college hockey. That was a new change uh, last season or the season before. I think it was last season. They used to play a five on five, five minute overtime period, but now they play three on three. So even if you win that three on three overtime period, as it regards the pairwise ranking system, which is what college hockey uses to rank teams for postseason play, it still counts as, as basically a tie after that. And usually the shootout is used by conferences to determine an extra conference point in conference play. Since this was a non-conference game, really the shootout was just a chance for both of the teams to kind of practice the shootout and, and have a little bragging rights, uh, you know, as, as that goes. We did not win the shootout period, but I thought it was a great opportunity for the team, this team with a lot of new fresh players on it to get a chance to practice it, uh, give our goalies a chance to get used to it. We didn't win the shootout, but look, we came back and we salvaged the tie. And, and considering how things started off on Saturday night, I think that that was a great outcome. Completely agree with you. Like I said, it would have been very easy for them to fold, but they came back and salvaged that. And I think that sets them up well going into uh, this next series back at Baxter Arena. Yep. So we got to pick our players of the weekend. I'll let you go first, Bridget. There's a lot of a uh, lot of good choices this weekend. So unlike last weekend, we've got a, a lot of good guys to pick from. Who is your player of the weekend? You're absolutely correct. There are a lot of choices, but I'm going to take what I think is an easy one. Uh, goaltender Jake Kuharski, who had a solid performance in net on Friday night and then came in in relief of Simon Lakotsi on Saturday night after he had given up four goals on eight shots. And like we talked about, uh, he kept the Lakers off the score sheet all the way through until the shootout and really made a difference in net for the Mavericks, especially on Saturday night. Uh, he wasn't tested a ton on Friday night, but he was up to the task and for that uh, senior goaltender transfer from AIC, Atlanta Cocky goaltender of the year last year, uh, Jake Kaharski is my player of the week. Yeah, pretty good pretty good weekend, uh, letting in one goal on the weekend and uh, basically shutting out Lake State the rest of the way on Saturday night. So uh, it's nice to see him. He looks like he's starting to settle in uh, with this UNO team. And uh, I'm glad we have him on the roster because it's nice to have a seasoned veteran who uh, who had the second best goals against average in, uh, in Atlanta hockey last season. The team overall had the uh, best goals against average last season. So, uh, so he's a talented guy. Don't underestimate him. I know that a lot of fans have been spoiled by the NCHC, but don't underestimate the time he got in net in Atlantic hockey. Uh, I think he's going to have a really solid season for UNO, and it'll be interesting to see uh, going forward how uh, things shake out. Will they continue to split time, or will one guy uh, get the nod in net uh, Friday and Saturday night going forward? So it'll be interesting to see. I went back and forth on my player of the weekend pick. Uh, Cameron Berg had a terrific weekend. Tyler Weiss, of course, has a terrific weekend, but we pick him all the time. Um, I decided to go with one of our terrific new freshman defensemen. Jacob Gavin gets his first career goal for the Mavs. Um, 
He also had a terrific assist, uh, as I mentioned earlier, on Friday night, creating the opportunity for Tyler Weiss to get that breakaway goal on Friday, which was the game-winning goal. But uh, had a really pretty goal from the face-off dot on Saturday night to cut the lead to 4-2 to two for UNO, which I thought was huge uh, there in the second period. So he had a monster season for Muskegon in the USHL last season. And he and Joe LeMay are two of these offensive defensemen we're excited about. We have a thread going on on the Mavpuck uh, message board about how uh, Coach Gavinette and the staff likes to recruit offensive defensemen. And this guy's going to be exciting to watch uh, the next couple of years. And it's great to have him, especially since we lost uh, Brandon Scanlon uh, to the pro ranks uh, during the offseason. So I went with Jacob Guavin, and I'm I'm glad uh, you picked uh, Jake Kaharski because it's nice to have a goaltender perform well enough to be our player of the week since we don't pick goaltenders on here that often. So, uh, so a good deal for the Mavs and uh, it was good to come out with a win and a tie. One note that we should uh, also point out because uh, Gavin had such a big weekend, Victor Mancini had an injury that he suffered uh, in that Friday night victory. And so uh, they said that he's going to be getting uh, x-rays coming back to Omaha this week. So we hope uh, the best for him. Of course, he's a solid defenseman and we definitely need him coming up in the NCHC season. So we, we wish him the best. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. We're already down a defenseman because uh, Griffin Ludke got injured during that exhibition uh, a couple of weeks ago against uh, Minnesota State Mankato. So we need as uh, many of those blue liners as we can get. So hopefully we get at least one of those guys back uh, before North Dakota comes to town uh, in November. So... Turning to our next segment, Bridget had the opportunity to interview the OG UNO Hockey PA man, Fred Brooks, the original public address announcer for UNO Hockey back in the early years at the Civic Auditorium. He was also the original PA announcer for the Omaha Lancers program back in the day. And so Bridget has a lot of interesting things to discuss with uh, Fred Brooks, and I think you're all going to enjoy it. So 25 years ago this month, in October of 1997, you know, hockey took the ice at the Civic Auditorium and a popular morning radio co-host was behind the microphone at the scorer's table. And our first guest interview of the season is with Fred Barenbrook, better known to Omaha folks by his radio name, Fred Brooks. Fred was a public address announcer for UNO Hockey from day one at the Civic Auditorium and throughout UNO Hockey's tenure at the Civic Auditorium. He also served as MC of the Blue Line Club luncheons during that time. And as I mentioned, he was on the radio as one half of the popular duo Out of Bed with Jack and Fred on Light 96 from 5 to 9 a.m. during much of that time. So welcome to the MAV podcast, Fred. How you doing? Bridget and John, the OGs of Mav hockey fans. You get the OG <laughs> title. You guys have been around forever, like me. That's right. <laughs> and you can see by my face that it has been 25 years. I'm an old man now. I'm actually playing in the Super Senior Golf Championship at our club tomorrow and Thursday. So I'm well, a super I senior out here. I definitely agree with the super part. I mean, we've been in the Atlanta area now for for almost 17. And it just seems like yesterday. Now my kids are still in Omaha. So we come back on the holidays. They actually live in Springfield. So we get back there once in a while. I try to avoid it in the winter. Now my, my blood has thinned out down South here. And if I say, if I say y'all before it's over, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll count that as a bonus. Yes. 
So tell us about how you got involved with that uh, young UNO hockey program way back 25 years ago. I was trying to remember when you had asked me about doing this. I, you know, I was, I did Omaha Lancer hockey for 10 years when I came down here to go to work for at the time, KGOR, that's where Jack Swan and I got started before KEFM hired us away to do mornings over there. And I knew the Edwards, Tom and Marilyn, who came down from Sioux City. They were involved as host parents for the Sioux City Musketeers. And I actually started with the Sioux City Musketeers briefly before moving to Omaha. And then when I found out the Edwards were there going to start USHL Omaha Lancers, that's when I got back into PA announcing. So I started doing that for them. And then I decided it was time after 10 years to take a break. So I don't know if Bob Dannenhauer asked me or if it was Coach Camp, how we found out about it. I, I don't know. Um, the next thing I know, I was going to be the PA announcer. Had you ever considered doing any of the radio side of stuff since that was, you know, your profession? Yeah, no, play by play, because I was not really in sports in broadcasting. Uh, I worked for a couple of news talk radio uh, stations that had sports. But I was always, a, for lack of a better word, they're called air personalities now, but a disc jockey, you know, playing records, playing music. So I never really was interested in play-by-play, but PA announcing was totally different. You know, you kind of were a semi-cheerleader. You had to be kind of careful, but, you know, uh, that was fun. The play-by-play would have been work. I leave that to people like the experts like Terry Leahy and, and those types. I told Terry I was going to be talking to you, and he said to tell you hello. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Tell him hi. I will. So along with that, then, you were talking about how the being in the PA announcer is a little bit more of a cheerleader. Tell us a little bit about how did you prepare then for the games? What kind of prep work goes into being a PA announcer? You know, it really was quite easy. Although back then, and it was kind of before we got the pep band, that music that you heard I was in charge of getting that and putting it in, you know, getting the little snippets together, putting that into the machine that we use down there, um, you know, iSide. And so if there was something new we wanted to add, I would have to get that together and then record that into the machine that we used. Other than that, it would be show up, uh, go to both coaches, get the scratches for the night, get the starting lineups. And then I always prided myself even when I was with the Lancers of going to the opposing coach and getting the pronunciations of the other players. So the visiting team, because I just, with my real last name gets butchered a lot. You did great, by the way. Um, I, I just wanted to be sure that, you know, those kids out there playing last thing you want to hear is somebody butcher their name. So that was really my prep. I would get there early enough to get my equipment set up, put in the new stuff I was going to use for music or sound effects and then I'd go visit the coaches. And then I was ready to go. If there were any special announcements, something new that uh, the staff had, you know, I'd go over that with them. But really, it was not that hard. Well, as somebody whose maiden name is also hard to pronounce, uh, I know those visiting kids appreciated it. And boy, you <laughs> should look at the roster for the Mavs this year. You would, you would be spending some time uh, on pronunciation of our own players, too. Well, one of the funniest things was Don Leahy coming up to me and going, you said Notre Dame, not Notre Dame. You know, little simple things like that made people happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's outstanding. Boy, we missed Don Leahy. That's for yes. sure. 
<laughs> All right. So speaking of things that you said, one of the most famous lines that continues even to this day is your opening line at the puck drop. It's Maverick hockey time in Omaha. I'm going to ask you to say it because I'm sure John will pull that, you know, as a separate video or a separate audio clip. But where did that come from? Well, I'm going to break a lot of Omaha hearts. That actually started in Sioux City. The PA announcer in Sioux City, when they dropped the puck, it's hockey time in Sioux City. And he was the station manager at the radio station I worked at. And one day he said, I'm not going to be able to be there. You're going to do the PA announcing. Had never done it before. But he wanted to be sure I did. It's hockey time in Sioux City. So when I came to Omaha, it's hockey time in Omaha with the Lancers. Well, when we joined the Mavs, I decided I don't want to do the same thing. They're going to say, you took that from the Lancers. So, well, we just changed it to Maverick hockey time in Omaha. That is amazing. John thought that there was the connection to the Lancers, but who knew that it went all the way back to Sioux City? Yeah, that's where it all started for me anyway. That is cool. And like I said, Nick Hanley's still doing it today. So your legacy lives on. Do you get back? You said you come back to Omaha because uh, you have family in the area, your son, son or sons? Well, my son and daughter both live in the Springfield area. They both have their own companies and we'll go back to see the grandkids. Usually we go back around Thanksgiving. This year we made a summer trip. It just gets too cold back there for me now. But uh, I came back one time uh, for a game after the, the Civic, um, one time for a game. I came back one time at the Civic for, I believe it was a reunion game and then I came down between periods and we introduced the the boys and I did it like starting lineups and then I came back just to watch a game one time after you left the Civic haven't been back for a hockey game since and of course down here in Atlanta we only had hockey the first two years we were here it's gone we we do have uh, uh, an ECHL team out of Gwinnett and actually University of Georgia has a hockey team now oh okay yeah, it's club hockey, but I mean, all the SEC teams have put together. I haven't been to one of those yet either, but I will make my way there eventually. Well, we would love to have you come see us at Baxter Arena, but we'll have to check the forecast to make sure that it, it's a nice warm day. So speaking of those old days, what is your favorite memory of uh, UNO hockey over the years? Wow. I would say there are two things come to mind and they have nothing to do on the ice. One was attending, I didn't MC it, but I attended a Maverick Hockey evening banquet at UNO and got to sit, Melissa and I, my wife, got to sit with her Brooks in between us for dinner. And he was such a great guy. And in fact, the, the conversation totally was, would Melissa give him golf lessons? She was the head uh, women's golf coach at UNO. She actually started the program, which to this day, they don't give her much credit for, but that's another story. But anyway, we sat there and talked with him. I mean, he was just super. Unfortunately, I think it was a month later, he had the accident. Then the other thing was another evening banquet that I think it was at the Civic. Uh, it was a fundraiser banquet that I did MC, and Jeff Hogan, had just signed a pro contract. I believe he was the first Maverick to do so. And we were talking with Dan and our, and those guys saying, yeah, he's going to come by just to say a few words. He's on the phone with his agent. He's getting us all going. And he got there 
And we wanted to ask him, what's he doing with the signing bonus? It was just hilarious. He bought his first cell phone and that just stuck in my head. You know, all these other kids go buy a big hot rod car or something. He got to buy his very own cell phone with his uh, signing bonus. So those are a couple of things that stand out for that me. Is, that, those are both incredible memories. And Jeff Hogan's one of the old bulls that lives in Omaha. So we get to see him, you know, here and there as well. So there's a lot of them still around Omaha. Of course, Gabinette, you know. He's in charge now. He is. Do you rem- I was going to say, do you remember him as a player? Because Oh, yeah, was- absolutely. Dan Ellis, Mike Gabinette. Yeah, I remember Mike for sure. And uh, I remember El Bernier would come to the penalty box. And I'd look over at him because, you know, it was right to my immediate left. I'd go, Sacre Bleu. And he would look at me. And I have, there's a French Canadian that plays golf regularly here. I asked him what that meant. And he goes, it doesn't mean anything. So now I know why Dave was looking funny at me. So he was just giving you a look because he's like, what is that guy doing? Yeah, just maybe be quiet and watch the game is what he wanted me to do. Well, like I said, we really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you. Again, looking back, it's hard to believe that it's been 25 years uh, since the program started. We've been through several barns, lots of players. Wow. Uh, like I said, John and I are still here. You're still out there. I'm so well, happy. Keep, and I appreciate you keep me up to date on things going on. Hold on, I got to get, nurse, could you get my bedpan emptied, please? Yeah, I'm really getting old. So I've got to take care of little things like that. So <laughs> that's funny, but we appreciate you being part of our first video interview on the Mav podcast. Uh, and thank you so much for everything that you did for Maverick hockey, all those early years and for giving us a catchphrase that lives on even until today. Well, tell everyone hi. And if you and John make it to the Atlanta area, look us up. We'll do so. Thanks so much. You bet. So, turning to our next series, we have a Friday-Sunday series against Alaska. I always want to call them Alaska Fairbanks since that's what they were referred to back when we uh, were in the conference with them and we were travel partners with them in the CCHA years. I wore my CCHA sweatshirt to kind of harken back. We played Alaska Fairbanks four times last season. Um, Alaska Fairbanks actually had a pretty good season. You know, both of the Alaska schools have had struggles in recent years because all of the conferences have basically abandoned wanting to have the Alaska schools. University of Alaska Anchorage is back for the first time in a couple of seasons this year. So Fairbanks comes in. They have a lot of new players. They've got 10 new freshmen on their roster, uh, but they do have their leading scorer from last season, Brady Risk, back. And they've got a transfer goaltender who looks like he's been getting most of the reps in net. It's Matt uh, Radomski, who was a transfer from Holy Cross. But there are a lot of question marks surrounding this team. They've started off the season two, three, and one. Their most recent series uh, was against Michigan Tech, and they got swept by Michigan Tech. So this should be an opportunity, but as we saw with the Niagara series, you just never know with some of these teams that look like they should be beatable by an NCHC team like UNO. Well, and you were talking about uh, their transfer goaltender. They also have a couple other transfer players that are making an impact for them on the score sheet. Um, there's a transfer from Minnesota, Johnny Sorensen, who has two goals for them. Um, one of them, a game winning goal. And I'm expecting him to have a big weekend against us. But I think that the Mavericks uh, got a little bit of momentum 
from salvaging that tie up in Sault Ste. Marie. And I think that this one really could go either way. Could be two for one team or it could be a split. It just really depends on, again, whether the UNO team gets up first, because I think that's made a big difference for them and usually does. If they score first, it gives them a little bit of confidence and momentum. But I really don't know what to expect uh, given those last four games that they've played. It, It could go either way. Yeah, there's a lot of unpredictability so far on this team, and it's hard to know how to gauge the team at this point. And like I said earlier, I don't know if it's just growing pains at this point with the team as they try to develop some chemistry and uh, the coaching staff tinkers with uh, some of the line combinations. I'm hopeful that we get a sweep out of this series, but because it's a Friday-Sunday series, which is just weird, we're playing one Friday evening at 7.07 p.m. and then we're playing 2 p.m. on Sunday. I think we have more talent than Alaska Fairbanks does. But again, we just don't know if we're going to see some of those kind of early season growing pains continue for the team. Hopefully they'll come charging out of the gate. We'll have to see. But I'm saying we split. I'm saying we win Friday and we lose Sunday afternoon. You know, and I was looking back at last year's schedule. For some reason, we played them uh, two days apart last time. So maybe this is just an Alaska Fairbanks thing that we do. I don't know if I like it as a fan. I feel like that Sunday afternoon game is probably going to be a little bit lower attendance and lower energy for that reason. And uh, so I'm actually going to pick the identical scenario that you did. I think we come out on Friday night energized from getting that comeback tie. I think we win on Friday night and then I think we lose in a close one on Sunday. But I really hope that I'm wrong about the Sunday attendance, but uh, knowing how those have gone in the past, I just think that maybe that crowd energy won't be there to help the Mavericks. And uh, I think they might need it. So hopefully fans listening who aren't season ticket holders decide to come out because uh, there should be a, an opportunity to get some good seats for that game. And, uh, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens. Hoping for a sweep. Both of us picked a split. It'll be interesting to see. And uh, until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.